Today on Dare to Develop, we're so excited to welcome Becca and Betsy of Rebecca Rose Events, a destination planning design and production firm that produces weddings all over the world. We are so excited to hear from them all about how to develop an arts for hospitality and service and how we can bring that to not just our clients, but to other vendors. And I think this is a great conversation that we can all learn from and get a lot of great little tips to how to move forward. Yes. So stay tuned to learn how to really be a better servant on and before the wedding day. You're listening to Dare to Develop, a podcast for creatives. I'm Christine Herman. And I'm Ashley Baumgartner. And we are two hybrid wedding photographers that dub ourselves work wives. With a passion for developing community and daring to take risks in business and art, we want to bring you along on a journey. The journey of artists, makers, business professionals, and more who want to level up their businesses by daring greatly and developing community. So let's get started. Today on Dare to Develop, we're so excited to have Becca and Betsy of Rebecca Rose Events, a destination planning, design, and production firm. We're so excited to hear from you two about developing an art for hospitality and service. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you so much for having us. We're so excited. Thank you, ladies. This is going to be fun. Yes. So to kick us off, we'd love if each of you could just tell us a little bit about yourselves outside of your business, and then we'll dive into the work talk. (laughs) Yeah, I will jump in first, Betsy, if that's okay. So I will just say at the outset that I think, you know, I want to say that building Rebecca Rose events has really been a true labor of love and that we are really grateful for just the contributions. We have to credit the contributions of our clients Mm -hmm. who are exceptionally generous and thoughtful and driven and just trustworthy, honorable people from all around the world. And then also the friendships and the relationships that we've created along the way with like-minded professionals in this industry who are led by the same, just really deep-rooted love for hospitality that we have. And that's how we create not only a legacy for our clients, but also for ourselves, just, you know, and our families, just those purposeful human beings. And so with all that, you know, that's really part of the reason why we have modeled Rebecca Rose events as a true holistic brand where very little is ever outsourced. We want to ensure excellence in every single detail, every touch point, which is both something that's challenging to us every day, but also what is incredibly rewarding. And so our company is exclusively a full service destination planning design and production firm. And we offer a truly concierge style approach to planning and design with in-house floral design and graphic design and print production in in addition to the logistics of planning. And so in an average year, we plan and design about eight weddings, give or take, and a limited number of social events. And so a bit of kind of career background that kicked off this journey. I started my career right out of college as an a very eager intern (laughs) and then stayed on after that internship ended as a freelancer at a large international PR agency in Atlanta. But I realized really quickly that I just did not love pitching press releases. In fact, (laughs) and I really did love and feel excited and invigorated by the events that we were doing for our clients. So that's what led me to pursue a career in events. And ultimately I took an exciting opportunity to do that to do internal corporate events at the Coca-Cola company at their corporate headquarters Mm. in Atlanta. And so in 2005, which is just, I know, dating myself when I say that, in 2005, I married my college sweetheart. And at the time, he was a couple of years into a graduate program, getting his PhD at the University of Georgia. And I really just like could not 
even stomach the thought of having to commute three hours each way on a daily basis to keep my, that job that I loved at Coke in Atlanta. <laughs> so I moved to Athens, which if, if anyone has ever been there, you know how awesome Athens, Georgia is. If you've never been there, it's a really fun college town to visit. Oh, okay. um, but I found a position, a highly coveted spot on the university special events team and just dove into the deep end of planning, designing, and producing events. And while I was there, that's when I really fell in love with the potential of social celebrations and their, how transformative they are for all of us in our daily lives. And I started to do weddings on the side. So when he finished PhD, we moved to San Antonio, Texas. That's where his first position was as a professor. And I, at that point, kind of knew I really want to start a business. This is one I want to do for a living. I want to focus on weddings and social celebrations, but I, I felt compelled to learn the other side of the industry first. I wanted to know more about the business side and I wanted to, I knew that that realistically meant working for probably a venue. And so that's what I did. And I went to work for Hyatt for three years. I was a catering manager at Hyatt, which meant that I was, I had a sales quota I did not enjoy that, but I had, I was responsible for selling, you know, selling, booking, and then ultimately planning those events up to the point of execution. And Betsy will talk more about that in a minute, because ultimately Hyatt is where we met and our paths first crossed. Um, but after three years there, I was just about ready to start that business in Texas and, and trying to get ready to leave Hyatt. And we learned that my husband had the opportunity to literally have his dream job back in North Carolina, where we both met. And went to college. And so we moved back here to Winston-Salem, North Carolina in the summer of 2010. I founded Rebecca Roosevelt right then and there. And here we are nearly 12 years later. And as they say, the rest is kind of history. And Betsy's going to jump in and share her background <laughs> in a moment. But in 2013, we joined forces as business partners. And now um, she's here in North Carolina too. And I focus exclusively on event design and aesthetics. So I serve as our company's creative director while her focus is dedicated to logistics and together we've worked to grow and nurture and elevate a business that we both love and create a team um, that is just the best. So Betsy, jump in and take yeah. it away. <laughs> yeah. So that catering sales position that Becca mentioned was at the Hyatt Regency San Antonio on the Riverwalk. So we were, both of us were doing kind of slightly different versions of the job that we're doing today. We were planning and executing events we were drinking margaritas after a stressful <laughs> long day. Um, back then we had way better skin than we do today. But today we get to do a whole lot more of what we love. So it's a good trade-off, I think. But kind of in getting there, my background, I always thought I'd own a restaurant. My first job ever, like 16-year-old who wants really bad fashion choices, I had a, a job at a small gourmet catering company that had a little on-site food shop. It's adorable in Peoria, Illinois. And that job that was for just spending money was where I fell in love with hospitality in loving and serving and, and just this food and beverage experience. So I studied hospitality management in school. While I was in college, I was awarded a scholarship through the National Restaurant Association. And through those relationships, I was recruited to go work for Hyatt Corporation. So, you know, 20 something had the moving van come to my college apartment. Why? All the furniture was crap, but I moved to Antonio, <laughs> Texas with all Gotta of my- Gotta love Ikea. But yeah. <laughs> furniture that should have never belonged in a real moving van, but that's okay. And my first job ever was the assistant executive steward at a resort property in San Antonio. And I had no idea what 
assistant executive steward did, but the short of the story is I was the assistant to the boss, to the dishwashers, um, the least glamorous job I've ever had. <laughs> but that, it really just built a really strong foundation for everything that I've done and getting to know the true deep grit behind the scenes of production. So I worked my way up through the ranks with Hyatt that's a part of my resume where there's a whole lot of facts and figures and accolades, but I'm not going to bore you with that because I'm out of that world. Thank goodness. <laughs> um, so Becca and I, when we were at the Hyatt Regency San Antonio, she mentioned she was selling, I was servicing. So I was the director of banquets and convention services. And our friendship really sprung from our highly competitive nature <laughs> and doing the best at our jobs and a shared love of tequila after a really hard day. <laughs> Love it. It's true. If you can relate, you know. (laughs) So when Becca left San Antonio to move to Winston-Salem, it was heartbreaking because I lost a friend and I lost a really amazing partner at the business that we were at. I actually ended up taking shortly thereafter the director of the restaurant's job, which, you know, if you remember, that's what I thought I wanted to do. I hated that job so much. (laughs) It was horrible. It was at a time in the company that was lots of transition and changes and I just burned out and I decided to quit my corporate job and move to the Caribbean. Crazy. I know. Love journey. I fell in love. I drank way too much wine. I soaked up the sun and I learned the value of rest. So in 2013, I was in a, a different mindset. Jack and I were getting ready to move back to the States and I called up old friends and Becca was one of them. I was like, Hey girl, you want to have lunch? And she was like, yeah, I would love to, but I have a, a huge wedding that weekend. So unless you want to work a wedding, I probably won't get to see you. And I was like, well, I've just been doing some freelance work. So if you want help, I'll help you. And I came and we had a three day, really intense wedding production week. And after that, it kind of left us both wondering what if we had just really fallen back in sync of this old times. And yeah. And so that started the beginning of a thoughtful conversation about what a business partnership could look like, what it would mean for both of our careers and our lives and our future plans. So we did share a margarita or two. (laughs) We met with our attorneys. We created our what I like to call our business prenup. And that was in 2013. And the rest is history. Here we are and really have enjoyed this, this journey together. So, you know, Becca and I, we work on every one of our projects together side by side. I approach from the logistics angle and she approaches from the creative angle. And it's really, it's a team effort. So we're not taking turns, taking the lead on events. We're working side by side, just as we did many, many years ago. So that's the not so short version of it, but that's how we got here. I love it. We Dare to Develop was also created over margaritas. So yes. I totally understand that. Well, I feel like we need to be specific, Betsy. So in San Antonio, Texas, the drink du jour is the prickly pear margarita, oh. which we just can't get. We can't get that here. It's so good. So anyone listening, if the next time you go to San Antonio, and if you've never been, you must. You need to go to Boudreaux's on the Riverwalk and order a prickly pear margarita and have tableside guacamole and it will change your life. I promise. No, I'll tell Betsy and Becca sent you and we'll <laughs> My best friend just moved to San Antonio. So I'm not going to this happen. Go. <laughs> so 
you two chatted a little bit about the core of your business and it is surrounded by hospitality and service. So how does that, how have you taken your past and moved it to like the wedding planning process and what does that look like? Yeah, I can jump in and talk about this. So, you know, I think of when I think of hospitality, I think of it as really at the core. It's the way that we treat people when, and it can be when they enter our own homes, when they enter our offices, when they enter any space where we're hosting, or we have some level of responsibility for their experience and their well-being. And so when you invite guests to attend your wedding, you assume a level of responsibility for their overall experience and you need a professional team that assumes that responsibility and takes that really seriously as well. So, you know, in our minds, it's really just absolutely essential that people receive an exceptional quality of service that they feel attended to, that they feel seen and heard and welcome and comfortable and all that goes into, you know, creating that type of environment for them is really kind of kept behind the scenes so that it appears at all times to be effortless. And, you know, there's so many examples of what I mean by that appearance of effortlessness. And it's kind of a, a double-edged sword because the better we are at our jobs, the less people see us doing them um, and the less they appreciate how hard they were. But that's the way that it needs to be. You know, when I think about event design, I always want to be really mindful that we're not showing mechanics. I don't want people to see the hard work that goes into creating that effortless looking environment. So, I mean, we all as human beings, just at a basic level, feel happiness or feel at our happiest, I should say, when, when our needs are met. And so when there's nothing that we think we need in any particular moment, that's when we're able to relax. And that's when we're able to truly immerse ourselves in any kind of experience or to soak it all up and truly enjoy it. So that's really what we have to give our clients and their guests, an environment that leaves them without any kind of need or want, an experience that is totally captivating. It's exciting. It feels authentic such that people can really just let go and live in that moment. So when we think about our planning process, it's really every bit as much our job to provide exceptional hospitality to our clients as it is to create an event that enables them to provide that to their guests. And we're never going to underestimate the littlest things in doing that because we're going to spend time learning about what they really love so that we can continually surprise them throughout the process, not just on the wedding day. You know, we're never going to expect or ask them to do any heavy lifting if we can do it. For example, I think this happens all the time when, you know, a vendor sends over a, set, a lengthy set of forms that need to be filled out. And I'm not discounting the importance of those forms. That communication of information is really essential, but we're going to fill those out to the greatest extent possible. And anything we can't fill out for them, we're going to actively facilitate our clients part of it because they have hired us to do this. And so, you know, our clients are busy. They have demanding careers. They hire us to take care of them. And that's a luxury they invest in heavily. And so good service means going above and beyond to not just be react the reactionary, but to anticipate what they need before they ever know they need it. And that doesn't just stop at planning and logistics. I have to think about that, you know, with regard to the design process as well. I have to figure out what they're going to love and connect with emotionally and present that to them before they have time to even spend thinking about all of it on their own. That's my goal. And, you know, a good example of this, um, let's say it's, 
you know, a week before the wedding and I've placed our floral order because I, you know, we're ultimately doing the floral design. I am with my own two hands going to be making the bridal bouquet and, you know, all of these different pieces with the, and leading the team that does that. And so let's say I find out this happens all the time and I can't tell you how many times it's happening in 2021. And I know anyone listening to this <laughs> can cringe with me at just the level of, I don't even have a good word to describe it, awfulness that is the supply yes. chain rose. But, you know, it happens a lot where I will find out I can't get a particular flower type mm. or maybe it comes in that week and it's diseased or the color's wrong. It is just not usable product. And I've got to troubleshoot it. I am not doing my job truly. If I call our clients and say, I'm so sorry, those burgundy peonies that you loved are just not, they don't look good. And I've got to substitute with something else. Absolutely not. I'm never going to call and deliver that kind of news. Yeah. I'm going to fix it. I may not ever be able, there may be no peony in all the land, but I am going to integrate something that is consistent with the design plan and make it happen and make it beautiful such that when they walk in, that is not even something that's ever on their mind. And that's the difference between, you know, good service and a feeling of hospitality that creates this environment that they can enjoy in the planning process and not just a, here's what we need and here are the problems. And so then, you know, that when we get to the wedding day, our team is going to think five steps ahead. Always, always, always. We're going to have cocktails ready to hand them before they ask. We're going to help guests when someone looks confused before that guest has to ask. We're going to troubleshoot situations that could derail the schedule before anyone notices that there is a situation. And we're, we always want to extend that same measure of hospitality to our vendor partners to do whatever it is that we can do to set them up for success, to anticipate their needs and to help troubleshoot challenges and to cultivate an environment of true teamwork and collaboration. So I think that's really important that this measure of hospitality and service is not just talking about the way we serve our clients. It's talking about the way we work together as an industry. And I know Betsy will have a lot more to say about that later. <laughs> no, it's, and it sounds like you to truly provide a white glove service where your clients mm-hmm. don't have to think or, you know, handle any of the, the mundane little things. You're really taking care of everything you can for them, which is Absolutely. how a wedding should be, right? They shouldn't have to worry about anything. So can we talk a little bit about why you feel hospitality and service is so deeply, truly important? Ooh, can I take this one? <laughs> I feel like I like flashback to my teenage years. I had to convince my parents that I could make a living doing hospitality. So I'm well-versed <laughs> in why hospitality and service is so important. Yeah, like, um, I have my pitch. I know. I'm <laughs> I, it's been a long time, but I remember it. <laughs> um, when Becca was speaking earlier, I, I wrote down something she said, we're the happiest when our needs are met. And that really rings true. And in full disclosure, kind of the beauty of knowing the topic of hospitality that we were going to cover. I've had a few showers to do some thinking, which is often where my best thoughts come. And so in thinking about what hospitality is, you know, the definition to me is, it's this art of creating experiences that allow people to be loved, to be cared for, and to be delightfully happy. And I mean, goodness, guys. And, and we had the, before we went live, we had a little moment to talk about the last two years, this crazy roller coaster of changes and pivots and COVID. And I think every person, no matter who you are, you can walk away from 
that experience with something different. And for me, and for a lot of people, it's to live in the moment, to cherish the gift of time together. And we've learned people really want to be delightfully happy. You know, think about the generation now, they are willing to make sacrifices to do without so that they have more time. That's pretty cool. And it's no wonder to me that we're seeing a trend of people who are seeking hospitality, that art of creating moments that bring true happiness. And we value that connection that comes across, that comes when you sit across the table from someone you love and you share a meal and you engage in conversation and you tune out the rest of the, the noise, the, the world around you, the work, the hustle of life, kids, and you feel that love and care for. And I just... I was thinking about this not too long ago. After lockdown, when we came out, I had a, a dinner with my girlfriends. We all went out, sat outside, probably margaritas. I can't, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but I got home and, and Jack said to me, you were gone for five and a half hours. What <laughs> in the world did you do? And it just... Although I had stayed in touch with those friends with text messages and phone calls, it became abundantly clear to me that nothing was going to replace us spending that time together, one-on-one. -on -one. And that value of being served, the dinner plates in front of you, carefully designed, the glasses being filled before we asked. And I felt that happiness in a way that my basic human needs were met, right? You got a food and connection, but they weren't just met. They were exceeded in this amazing environment of hospitality. And, you know, I think the art of the table to some extent has, and the art of celebration has evolved. You watch kind of any old timey movies or, and I have this visual of like a, a beautiful woman in awesome 60s style with a stiff cocktail in her hand and the dinner table set for in, entertaining at the house. And we've got away from that. We are on the, we're a go, go, go society. We're eating in our cars. We're eating out of takeout boxes at our desks in 15 minute snippets of time. And it feels like that art of the table, the art of dinner has temporarily faded. And what COVID has done is we've seen a shift with people who want to have time for that meaningful conversation and that history of just getting to spend time together. And I, I we're starting to see a reemergence in our society of hosting and of bringing together of people over meal and food and beverage and wine. So I think the art of the table is coming back in a very big way, which is exciting. And also mom and dad just goes to prove that this was a worthwhile investment in the world of hospitality. <laughs> I totally agree. And I think after everything that happened last year, everyone's realized how much they've missed it even more, right? Like yeah. just being served, seeing everyone face to face, sitting across the table, like you talked about, like we can have these Zoom meetings all the time. I can talk to friends on like video chat, but there's nothing like being surrounded and being around the table with the people you love. So I think that's kind of showing in weddings what people want. People want that as well. So when it comes to like some examples of creatives in general, how can um, they provide hospitality to their clients pre and on wedding days? Yeah, right. no, I just talked. Talk <laughs> I was like, I've got a few ideas. But Becca, I absolutely want you to chime in. No, too. go ahead. You take it first. Uh, <laughs> you know, I think, Good hospitality is always going to come from a place of getting to know someone, deeply understanding them, loving them. And it, it shouldn't feel, 
it shouldn't feel like there's an automation to it. So, you know, thinking about what creatives can provide in hospitality to their clients. We all know there's a value in gifting our clients, but instead of having just a something that is set in stone, this is the gift you give someone as soon as they get engaged. And no matter who your client is, you're sending the same thing. I would challenge you to think about this more unique. And in that, Offer your clients, it's so easy to get to know them via social media, the things they put out in the world. And so when you get to know those likes and preferences, your gifting can be highly personal. And I'll give you, so thinking about us and some of the things that we do, when we start our process, our full day creative session is the kickstart. So we, we invite clients to our studio or we meet them at their home or at the destination where their wedding's going to happen. We spend the entire day together. It's awesome. It's tons of fun. But what we'll do is some sleuthing behind the scenes to know what are some of their favorite snacks? What do they like to drink? Both non-alcoholic, alcoholic, celebratory. And then we'll stock our refrigerator with those things. We'll have those snacks available because we want them to feel comfortable. We want them to feel at home in our home. And then another thing that we've done, which again, is not that hard to do is through the course of conversations, it's not uncommon for us to learn that our clients are going on a trip and it may be to celebrate X, Y, Z, or our clients may just be meeting friends for dinner. It takes one phone call to pick up the, the phone and call a restaurant and say, we'd like to send a bottle of champagne or we'd like to send prickly pear margaritas (laughs) to the table to them. So getting creative in that. And then Becca, I'll let you chime in. Yeah, I think there are also some examples that may seem small, but I'll give a couple, you know, we, when we're serving as the planning team, you know, I think the typical approach that any planner takes is they might help facilitate the mailing process of sending invitations, Mm -hmm. which is great. And then the reply envelopes are being mailed back to the client, the whoever's hosting, and they're going to then track those RSVPs. We have realized over the years, you know what, that's a huge amount of work and we can take that burden off our clients' plates. So unless they tell us that they actively want to manage that process, which I can't think of the last time that someone did, (laughs) that we're doing that. We will receive all the RSVP envelopes. We will track all of them. We will troubleshoot if something is missing or if there's confusion. We are willing to go above and beyond and call or email their guests if that's ultimately helpful to our clients. And so I think that, you know, that's one example of just process oriented change that is just coming out of the standpoint of always we're trying to put ourselves in our client's shoes. Mm-hmm. What's helpful to them? What's the work that has to get done that they don't have to be the ones to do, right? They didn't decide to get married so they could add a full-time job to their plate and take on a bunch of work. They hired us to do that. And so thinking beyond the sort of measure of what everyone else in the industry is doing with regard to their packages or their services and really digging down to figure out what are the pain points for our clients? How can we extend extra hospitality to them to make their lives easier? And then I would also say, you know, to remember that it just moves mountains to extend that measure of hospitality to other wedding professionals as well. So all the things Betsy talked about, like when we think about, you know, celebrating milestone moments or digging in to figure out what's going on in someone's life that we can celebrate with them or make easier for them or, you know, make something fun for them. We want to do that for the people we work with that we depend on to do our jobs well alongside with. So, 
you know, that might be sending a bottle of champagne. That might be picking out the most awesome thing off their baby registry when they're about to deliver a newborn, whatever it might be. Those same types of things we want to think about for our industry partners and our friends and the people that we quite literally count on day in and day out and not just the clients that we're all serving together. I love that. So you talked about a lot of great things to do. What are some of the faux pas you've seen <laughs> in the industry or you've seen, you know, maybe a, another vendor do on the day uh, yeah. that you really feel like hinder that, that attitude and that air of hospitality and service? Yeah, Betsy. What should we avoid? <laughs> yes, go for it. I, four words, cash bars and tipping jars. <laughs> nice rhyme. Bless you. <laughs> but seriously, I mean, I don't, I don't think those are happening as frequently as they used to, although they are definitely an issue. But, but I think, you know, shortcuts, right? Just service shortcuts that place the onus on your client or their guest rather than making things as, again, effortless as they could be. And so as an industry, we've been, you know, we have been through hell and back with regard to COVID. We have all learned to toughen our shells. We've learned to tighten our contracts. We've learned to spruce up protections to prevent people from taking advantage of us. But I feel like I've seen that happen at the expense of the client experience in all too many cases. And, you know, so in thinking about shortcuts, I'm talking about, you know, vendors who are kind of just approaching any mention or question of postponement for any reason with of just distinct groan and disdain rather than a professional collaborative approach or level of care for the client. And so, you know, that's just, again, I think I, I don't want to, beat a dead horse, but just talking about putting yourself in that person's shoes. What are their needs? How can you meet them? It doesn't mean you bend over backwards to give away the farm. That's not what I'm suggesting, but just, you know, how do we approach those conversations and those needs with a level of exceptional service and care? And I think, you know, when we talk about faux pas, I think we can't talk about this without acknowledging what a challenge it creates when any creative professionals choose to sidestep the planners that their clients have hired. Mm -hmm. And here's what I mean by this. You know, here's an example. Let's say a band leader wants to connect with the couple to chat, maybe on a zoom call about their music preferences, which is obviously important. And 9.99 times out of 10, our clients want that connection too. And we want them to have it and we're going to work hard to facilitate it. But here's where this can and often does go awry. The band leader emails the clients and leaves us off the email chain entirely. Unbeknownst to us, they have a Zoom meeting with our clients where they discuss not only the musical preferences, but also timeline logistics, lighting decisions, and God knows what else. (laughs) And then that creates this domino effect of challenges where more often than not, you know, what happens in the, in the band leader, this, I'm not suggesting this was their intention. And they often don't even know this is a byproduct, but And it's not just bands, this could happen with anyone, but what happens is behind the scenes, that client is left feeling very frustrated because they were kind of put on the spot. They weren't, they didn't feel prepared for that meeting. They thought they were talking about music. They don't have all the information necessary to answer questions about timeline logistics because that's what they've hired us to do. So they don't have to worry about that. So what happens now is, you know, we've got to do a call with our clients and add something to their busy schedule to try to figure out what all happened, what was communicated, what was said, what do we need to figure out, then do another call with the band to try and undo that damage. 
And all of that confusion and frustration and logistical headache could have so easily been avoided if the band had just asked Bessie to be on the call. Mm-hmm. And then everyone is on the same page. Our clients don't feel like they have to do the heavy lifting. We don't end up with a huge metal truss and purple lighting in the middle of a garden <laughs> that has been many months in the making you or a laugh. band. You don't want that purple up lighting? <laughs> oh my gosh. Or, you, or here's even better, a band logo gobo lighting circulating oh, on the tent that nobody knew was coming. And that is a true story. This has happened. <laughs> So, I mean, I don't mean for this to sound like a rant. That's not at all my intention, but I just share as an example of a misstep with regard to hospitality, because at the end of the day, really good service requires respect for our clients' choices and respect for the professionals that they have chosen to serve and represent them. And so when any vendor sidesteps the planner, they've really, whether they realize it or not, or whether it was their intention or not, they've made an active decision to ignore their client's chosen proxy and advocate and put that client in a position they quite literally never asked to be put in. Mm-hmm. And that just can't be an acceptable measure of good service. We have to do better than that to serve our clients well if we, if we truly can say we care about hospitality. And the same problem arises the other way around when a planner chooses to ignore or disregard the processes that are important to their creative partners. It doesn't just cut one way. If a band leader needs a meeting, our job is to facilitate that meeting. If a photographer needs to review a timeline again, our job is to review that timeline again. So I think, you know, yeah, so many of those hospitality faux pas, just whatever they are boiled down to kind of just disregard or or not taking the time to think about how you can make your client's life more enjoyable, which Mm -hmm. is really what we are all in this to do. Yeah. It's a team effort. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Just a simple CC email, like maybe every, every, (laughs) creative is different. Every planner is different. So maybe one planner is like, go ahead. Other one's like not. So I think it's just really us as creative communication. Yes. We just need to communicate. And like we said, be a team with it. So absolutely completely understand. So say like, like a lot of us don't have as big of a background as like Becca and Betsy, you do in hospitality, (laughs) but how can other creatives work on this if they like want to become better? Yeah, that's such a great question. And I think the answer is, is a little bit simplistic. My answer will be Becca may chime in with something much more eloquent than me. <laughs> I think it comes back to the basic understanding of hospitality. If you are inviting someone to work with you, or they are inviting you to work with them, you're, you're on the same team. It's no different than inviting them into your office, into your home, into your space. And for us, sometimes that's figurative and sometimes that's literal time or two. We may have been guilty of, well, giving a photographer to crash in our Airbnb in a remote destination and who we knows where. all the time. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of steep stories in that for later on. Um, that sound, hold on. That sounds scandalous. That's <laughs> hold on. What she means is like we're in the middle of rural New Hampshire and there's nowhere to stay because all the guests are in the hotels, then we're going to make room for our creative partners if we have a house. To be clear. And oftentimes we are renting like 10 bedroom homes to house our team. So yeah. there's plenty of sofas and extra bedrooms. Not uncommon. Thank you for clarifying, Becca. I don't want to be the talk of the town. So, you know, whether you're sharing a bedroom or sharing, no, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But we take that, you know, that invitation to be on the same team is an invitation you should take seriously. 
get to know that person. Becca talked about this a little bit earlier, but how can we celebrate things with them? Business, life, personal, you know, and I think for us, we, we work in a lot of destination weddings and, and we recognize that that is time away from your family time away from your own pillow, your own mattress, hours are long. And so it's not uncommon for us to invite a creative partner to share in our RRE traditions, which for us in a destination wedding is a family style meal and then often a craft cocktail. But if they want to come and share in that dining experience with us, that's an easy way to do it. If you're inviting a creative to your hometown, for us, we will often stock their hotel room with a basket of goodies that we know they love that will make their life a little bit easier. Sometimes it's just a good bottle of shampoo and conditioner that doesn't quite fit in your carry-on suitcase. <laughs> and, you know, in the most basic act of hospitality, I think it's really important if, you know, from the planning execution side to ask and from the collaborative part of this to offer any dietary restrictions, food allergies, how you take your coffee, because the hours are too long. And for us, we want to make sure that any creative partner who's working there, probably 12 plus hours on a wedding day, that they have a hot and edible meal. And that our clients know the importance of providing that because these individuals are working so hard to love and care for them over the course of a year plus, oftentimes the least important, you know, the least they can do the easiest thing they can do is make sure it's a hot edible meal on the wedding day. Absolutely. Yeah. And I will, I will piggyback real quick and just say, you know, at the end of the day, we, we want to be great to work with. Like we want to be great partners. We want to have fun. We want to have good, healthy relationships with the people we work with, because as much as they will depend on us, we will depend on them. And there can be days where we just quite all literally end up in a nightmare situation together of problems unfolding that we have to troubleshoot in the moment and do it without our clients knowing and make it work. So you can't go into this level of execution, especially in the luxury segment of this industry with so much on the line and not have good foundational relationships with the people that we're going to work alongside with. So, you know, all these things we're talking about it's just about being good partners. And I think that's anyone, no matter what it is that you do in the wedding industry, what your segment of the industry or your profession is, is to think about who else do you work with? Who do you depend on? And how do you cultivate a network with those people where you're great partners, which ultimately right serves you well too. Doing this gives us a way better referral network, right? If we were really great to work with, that photographer or that videographer or that caterer or that venue really wants to work with us again. They're going to bend over backwards to try to make that happen. It also allows us to enjoy what we do more. It's way more fun to work with people you have great relationships with. (laughs) And it also just, you know, like it enables us to feel fulfilled as business women, as professionals, as artists, when these are just, they're meaningful relationships and not just a, Oh, Hey, you're here at 10 AM. Okay do your thing. I'll do my thing. And then like wave goodbye at the end of the night. That just can't be the way that we approach this level of teamwork when we think about wedding day. So I think it all harkens back to that measure of hospitality of just what do you need to do to be an exceptional partner to to everyone else you work with? 
We love that. And we definitely echo that being good to work with is makes the wedding day more fun for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> so kind of in conclusion of, of this conversation topic, moving forward, how do you see hospitality and service changing at weddings as events are evolving and kind of just the mentality of events has shifted a little bit post COVID? What are you both foreseeing in the future? Yep, Betsy, you got thoughts. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like this is a little bit of an echo of what I said earlier, but my prediction is that we will see a really renewed focus on this art of sharing a meal together. I think the the tabletop, the art of the tabletop is coming back in a big way. You may even see some of those cool 60s fashion vibes, which I wouldn't be (laughs) sad about. But I also believe that the meal experience the hotel and accommodations that stay experience is going to become as much of a focal point as the band, the dancing, the partying. And when you think about a meal, you know, thoughtfully sourced ingredients that are local and sustainable, unique elevated craft cocktails, tabletop design that's conducive to meaningful and imaginative and fun conversation. And I think the ultimate goal of any event is that people walk away delightfully happy, which is kind of my perfect definition of hospitality. Yes. Absolutely. I think, I think there's also going to be, I think all of us can see this to some extent, not that, I mean, big weddings are definitely coming back in this coming out of COVID, but there is an unmistakable appreciation for intimate events that I don't think is going away. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is so much because people really want to focus on the finer details, elevated design experiences, because they recognize the impact that has in terms of the guest experience. And that's all thinking about hospitality, right? People want to be great hosts. Part of how they can do that is to provide a more elevated experience for their guests. And so I think that that ties into so many different things, right? Ties into budget consideration, ties into the level of talent you can hire to have on your wedding day to produce that experience for you. But that's my prediction is just in in thinking about hospitality, people make deliberate moves to really keep the celebration more intimate so that it can be that much more elevated. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely love that. And like you said, we want everyone to be delightfully happy, vendors and guests and the run groom. So I love that. Well, thank you so much, Becca and Betsy, for coming on and talking all about this. And we'd love to move to a time of fast facts for our guests to get to know you a little bit more. Does that work? All right. <laughs> We're ready. All right. Let's do this. So Betsy, we'll have you go first. So what is your favorite? No pressure. <laughs> what's your favorite tool in business? Favorite tool. Oh, Apple Notes. So that has been a game changer for us. We have iMac computers, laptops, we're on the road, our phones, our Apple products. I feel like this is non-commissionable for the record, <laughs> Apple, although we'll take freebies if you've got yeah. it. It's just been a good way for us to stay organized and have access to information at any point. So that's my answer. Love yeah. I have, well, I have a three-part answer, but Apple Notes is at the, <laughs> as at the top. I would also say Trello and Dropbox. We depend on those so heavily. And yeah. I can't imagine, especially Dropbox, like, I can't imagine <laughs> doing this without it. But Apple Notes is such a game changer because we can communicate, we can share notes with the team. I can be on a, on site, looking at a tent site, taking notes that then will just appear on my computer back in the office or on my laptop in a hotel in the middle of nowhere. And it's just 
that ability to be so in sync is game changer. Yeah. You don't have to actually take the time to share it or find right. it or anything. Do you ladies have a post-wedding snack that you indulge in at the end of the day outside of a prickly pear margarita? <laughs> Dang it, you stole <laughs> my gut instinct. <laughs> oh my goodness. No, I, so I mentioned family style meals. Um, when we're on a destination, you know, oftentimes we'll rent a big VRBO house where we can cook meals and everyone takes turns making something awesome, but we'll end up with a whole boatload of leftovers. So when we come home at like two o'clock in the morning, we kind of empty out the fridge and go for every, you know, it's just like every version of weird that shouldn't be paired together. And we (laughs) definitely dine out. And that moment of just like, laughing, commiserating, stretching, enjoying a prickly pear margarita is that's probably it's not a snack item, but that's my favorite moment that's revolves around foo. Go figure. (laughs) I feel like for me, it's more about the next day. It's like the next day brunch. I love an omelet, like extra crispy, gotta be extra crispy, shredded hash browns, never always shredded (laughs) or like, or like a great egg scramble with just like everything, but the kitchen sink thrown into it. That's what I want after a wedding (laughs) the next day. Yes. So when you're like heading to a wedding or, you know, getting into your design or like mindset. Do you have anything that pu- music that pumps you up? Do I have to go first again? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm probably going to embarrass myself, but here we go. I'm kind of uh, like EDM dance music junkie because that's my hype. Like I listen to it all day. Love it. The fast paced music. That's what really makes me happy. Both like prepping for an event and coming down. I know I'm weird. I'm (laughs) 20 something at heart, but that's (laughs) yeah, I am like the the polar opposite of that most times because I I feel like it depends on, it certainly depends on what's happening. But if I am like in the process of working on design or at my computer, at my desk, I want something like Sarah Bareilles or like it might be maybe even classical music or like Broadway or something. But then uh-huh. it's like I'm in the studio or I'm in the workshop or we're in some destination and I'm working on flowers. Like maybe it's Lady Gaga or like yeah. big power ballads. So it just yeah. kind of changes, but Love just got to go with the mood. <laughs> <laughs> what is your favorite thing to do outside of the wedding industry? We'll start with you, Betsy. Um, it all revolves around food and beverage. <laughs> no figure. My Saturday tradition when we don't have a wedding or events is I am one of the first people at the farmer's market the minute they open at 8.30. I love finding just, again, local ingredients, meeting the people who are growing the items and just coming up with really fun and creative things in the kitchen. So that food and beverage, cooking at home. Those all bring me deep joy, but I also really love riding my bike and, and cycling outside. And then I have a group of girlfriends that I walk with every single Sunday. If it's not a wedding weekend and just gossip for five miles and Jack still contends we walk the slowest five miles ever, but we, <laughs> know we have brunch afterwards. So that's, that's <laughs> Love it. I feel like for me, this is just, so I have two daughters. I have two little girls, Piper and Riley, who are five and almost three. And so, you know, outside of work, I am going to be committed to doing whatever it is that 
we can do together that's exciting. And so sometimes that's like baking chocolate chip pancakes or feeding turtles at the pond or picking (laughs) flowers together or building towers with magnet tiles. But that's really where, you know, the reality is this job is not a nine to five. It is a lot of hours. It's a lot of travel. And so the time that I have with those little ones while they're little is really precious, whatever it is, however it's spent. I love it. Love it. So what is the best education book podcast you've personally learned from? Oh man, that is a good one. Okay. Books right now I'm on a non-business book kick. So I better (laughs) not pick something from that because it won't be relatable podcasts. Oh, a a dear friend. This is a shout out to my dear friend, Wes. He um, launched a podcast called two bottles deep. He gives you a little insight into my friend group, but (laughs) it is a conversation about bridging the gay and straight communities. Mm -hmm. And this has been such a good education for me because they have had a lot of conversations around the transgendered community. And it's been such great insight into how I can help be a better ally and just educate myself and learn more about something that I may not know the most about. So that is, that's, that's my answer. Two bottles deep. For me, I, um, I'm, I haven't finished it yet. I just started, um, last week, but I'm loving Colin Cowie's book that just was just released called the gold standard, giving your customers what they didn't know they wanted, which dovetails quite nicely with this whole conversation. Um, but I just like anyone in this industry should read it. There is no one on earth with a better command of just the essence and importance of exceptional hospitality than Colin Cowie. I just, it's, it's really good. And it will captivate you from like the very first page in the forward. So yeah, it's a good one. What is one daring leap you've taken in either your business or your life? Man, you girl, you've got the good (laughs) question. Um, this is something I'm still working on. So I can't say that it's a full leap. It's like a beginning to leap. <laughs> is shifting some of my decision-making process from what makes money to what brings happiness. And this is a hard pivot with a lot of background in corporate that was deeply ingrained about P&Ls and chasing the bottom line. And ultimately, we want to provide a meaningful living for us and for our employees in doing this very hard work, but it's not all about the money. It's about what brings us happiness. And sometimes that happiness is saying no to something because it takes away from the time. Yeah. Love it. How about you, Becca? It is really hard to isolate one because I feel like there have been a lot of daring leaps taking on a business partner was definitely an enormous one. Hiring employees every time we've done that has been an enormous one. Every time we signed a lease, um, and they're all daring and kind of scary on some level, but, you know, risk is, is exciting and it's a necessary part of the entrepreneurial journey. And so I think each of those leaps have, have been instrumental in, in putting us where we're at mm-hmm. and helping right. us know like, what we do. If we don't take the risks, then we're not growing. Right. So, yep. so many, there should be a lot. So I love that. So what is one thing you feel like you're great at in your business? For me, it's building and nurturing relationships. And that's both with our clients and our vendor partners. I'm the pick up the phone kind of person, meet you for coffee. So those deep relationships is where I think I really excel. And I, this is going to sound like an odd one, but I, I think 
and it's my answer because I think it is particularly hard and I'm proud that I've learned to do it, but it's just to do, to be able to deliver sometimes some tough love to, and help people understand what they really need when they can't see the forest through the trees. And so that, some, that happens with our clients. It happens with our team. It happens, you know, with anybody, but yeah, just finding that balance to be able to have really hard conversations like that. Love it. Definitely great skills. Where can our listeners find your business and your respective and social medias and, and websites, et cetera? Yeah, we are online at RebeccaRoseEvents.com. Super easy. And of course on Instagram, it's just rroseevents. Send us a message. We will always reply and love to connect with people there. I feel like genuinely some of the greatest professional relationships we have have come out of direct messages on Instagram, really and truly. And then we also have a sister brand that provides coaching and workshops and, and, and educational resources for creative wedding professionals. And that's RRE Method. So rremethod.com and then on Instagram at RRE Method. So either way. Awesome. Perfect. We'll link that in the show notes for all our listeners to check y'all out. But in closing, what's one thing you want to dare our listeners to do after listening to your episode? I want to dare the listeners um, to both create and experience moments of delightful happiness. And I would encourage and dare everyone to, and this is, this is not without hard work, but to revisit every step in your process and ask yourself the question, if you've made it as effortless and as enjoyable as possible for your clients and for the people in the industry you work alongside with. Love it. Those are great answers. Well, we really appreciate you both telling us all about the art of hospitality. I know that was such a fruitful conversation. We appreciate you being on the podcast. Thank Thank you you for for having us. us. So good to have a chat. I really appreciate how in-depth Becca and Betsy went into not only what truly is hospitality and service with their actual hospitality backgrounds, but also how we can bring that to a wedding day. Mm -hmm. And like Betsy was talking about, we want not just our clients to be delightfully happy, but also the vendors. We want to just create and cultivate relationships. And that starts at the core of who we are and how to bring that service to everyone. Yes. So as we talked about with events kind of changing and modifying going into a post-pandemic world, there's so many different ways for us to practice hospitality and really hone in that skill. And we hope you take their dares. Thanks so much for joining us today on Dare to Develop. We'd love for you to subscribe and leave us a review if you love today's episode. Don't forget to check out the show notes at daretodevelopodcast.com and follow along on IG at Dare to Develop. Catch us next week for more fun as we hear from creatives who have dared greatly in their businesses and develop community along the way.